Good morning. Thank you for that. Oh, man, just about brought me to tears. Uh, I'm so happy to be here today. My name is Nathan Jansen, for those of you who don't know me. And uh, for the last six years, my wife Harmony and I have been serving in Indonesia. And uh, today is uh, a really special day for us because we have the privilege of introducing you to uh, a coworker of ours from Indonesia who just happened to be in the United States at the same time as us. And so we felt that uh, even though we're technically on vacation, we just had to have him come and share with you guys about uh, what God is doing there. And uh, so yeah, I'd like Johannes just to come and join me. Um, this is Johannes Chiandi, and he's going to share a little bit about his testimony in just a second. But um, I just want to, before Johannes gets started, uh, share about God's provision for us, Harmony and I. Uh, you guys have been a big part of how God has provided for us over the past six years, and for that, we just want to say thank you for all of your prayers and your financial support, your uh, interest in what we're doing, and your uh, support in so many other ways by sending emails and cards and encouraging notes and even gifts at times, and uh, we just want you to know how much that means to us. But God also has provided for us in other ways. Uh, when we first went to Indonesia, we were brand new out of Bible school and really didn't have a whole lot of ministry experience, but we just knew that that was where God was sending us. And uh, one of our biggest prayers at the initial onset of our ministry was that God would provide somebody uh, who we could work with, who would help us uh, to go together. And I, thought, I think a lot of um, Jesus, and as he first sent out his disciples to do the first missions effort, uh, when he sent out his disciples, and he didn't send them out one by one, he actually sent them out two by two. And uh, so in Mark 6, as we read, we see that the, the, two, dis- the two disciples, as they traveled around together, uh, they were there in order to encourage and support each other, to hold each other accountable, to uh, be there when times got tough, and to also remind each other of God's truths. And so I am really thankful that uh, God brought Johannes into my life, and uh, for the last five years now, we've been serving together in several different ways. And uh, I'm going to let Johannes share now a little bit about his story and his uh, background so that you can uh, hear from him and uh, see what God has done through him over the last few years as well. So go ahead, Johannes. Thank you. Um, good morning. Um, I will try my best to speak to you because English is not my first language. So I'll try to, to, speak, to talk to you. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about it. <laughs> I'll just talk. <laughs> now he knows how I feel every Sunday in Indonesia. Yeah, now, now I know. Now I know. Yeah, um, but it's always, uh, you know, um, something that I want to do to the Lord. I know I have limitation, but i always willing to do this because I don't want to let my limitation to limit me. Because I believe when I limit myself, I limit God. Because God has a lot for me to do. So I don't want to limit myself by the limitation that, you know, try to overcome me. No, I will say no for the limitation. I will do what God wants me to do. Um, I was born in Merauke in 1977. But when I was seven, my parents moved to East Timor. East Timor used to be one of Indonesian province, but not anymore. Because in 1999, they had referendum and they choose to separate from Indonesia. Now they are a new country. They are in their own. 
So I grew up in East Timor. I finished my elementary school, junior high, and high school, and I worked for a while. And then after they separated, there was you know people fighting, they killing each other. So we had to move out from East Timor. And then um, you know uh, I moved back in East Timor in 2000, and uh, you know I worked there. I met a Brazilian uh, couple, and then they become a good friend of mine. And then one day, you know, we went to the beach, and he asked me, Johannes, uh, would you like to go to CFNI? I don't know what CFNI is, you know, I don't know. I asked him, what is it? It's a Bible school in Dallas. Would you like to go to Bible school in Dallas? Uh, I didn't really interested to go to Bible school at that time. Because, you know, when I decided to go back to East Timor, I was trying to learn how to do business, to run business with my, uh, you know, my uncle, with my cousin. But then when I went back to the, my house, I, watch, I, was, I was watching TV, and God reminded me. When I was in high school, one night I prayed. I said, God, if you want to use my life, I'll give my life to you. But you know, my family, we don't have money. We are poor. So I'll ask you to give me a sign. So when this sign comes to me, I'll know this is really from you. Because I don't want to go because people, talk, you know, they tell me to go to, you know, to serve you. But I just want you to reveal this to me so I will know this is truly from you. And if I could choose God, you know, I want to go, you know, to America or to Europe. I ask you, really, God, please bring someone to just to talk to me, offer some help so I can go to the Bible school. And then God reminded me about that story, and then he kind of like, he, he wants me to decide at that time. So I say, okay, God, if this is what you have provided for me, then I'll go. So I go, uh, my friend, he helped me, he applied for the scholarship. I got the full scholarship from CFNI, from Christ Foundation Institute in Dallas. So I came to the U.S. in 2004. I studied in, the, in CFNI for two years. After that, I went to the southeast Texas. I did my internship for, uh, with the church over there for 11 months. Before I went back to my country, I met them and I shared with them about my uh, plan, my vision to go back to my country to serve the Lord over there. Um, and then they decided, okay, we will help you, we will support you, we will send you as our missionary to back to your hometown, to your home country. So they, they helped me, they sent me. I'm going, I went back to Morocco. And then... One day, I, you know, a friend of mine named Silas, he was talking about a missionary that you know, is, uh, was teaching English at a Bible school. I am interested because I know my English is not so good. I need to improve my English. So I decided to meet this guy. And then uh, he gave me the address. I went to the church, and I met Nathan at the time. He was, uh, you know, it's, it was in the afternoon at about maybe 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. 
Nathan with his dog, they were about to, you know, go running that in the afternoon. So I met him. I was talking to him. I said, I really want to learn English with you. So do you have time so I can, you know, learn more from you? And he said, yes. So we became friends at that time until now. And then I have this, um, you know, uh, plan to do the youth camp. And I started to share this with, with him. And I know this is one of my prayers that got answered too. Because before I decided to, you know, go back to Morocco, I was praying and said, God, you know, I, need, I really need a friend to help me, to guide me, so we can be a partner to do the ministry. Because this is my first time. i never done this before. So please send someone that can help me, that we can work together. So this is Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> we met at a time. So God is good, yeah? Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Give God a hand, man. <laughs> Then uh, in 2008, 2008 uh, we started our first youth camp together. It wasn't too many, it, yeah, not too many people, about you know, less than 90. But I remember that was our first youth camp, and we won't. We brought 13 you know, new believers. There were 13 people. They gave their life for the first time at the time. And you know, we just had our last youth camp, the fifth youth camp. And in this last youth camp, we had about 28 youth gave their life to Jesus. And one of them was a Muslim girl. This is what, what our, our hope, we, we, we will reach more people, we will reach more youth, Muslims, to Christ. We don't want to turn them to be a Christian. No, that's not our intention. We want them to believe God. We want them to believe Jesus. Receive Him as their Savior. So they can receive what we have now. Eternity with Christ in His kingdom. Amen. Amen. So, and then, um, out of the youth camp, we also have a, commu- uh, a ministry that... We, we, we established to train, to disciple these new believers, these new youth that give their life to Jesus. We call that a new uh, ministry, um, sex-free, sex-free community. It's not just, it's, we don't want to, um, it's, oh, okay. It's just to try, we try to help the, the youth to keep their life, uh, you know, abstinence. Uh-huh. Before God, so they, because we have a lot of people infected by HIV in Morocco, and also more, a lot of them are youth. If the youth destroyed by the devil through this free lifestyle, what is the future of the nation? It's the same happened to America also, not just in my country, but the whole world. The youth is the next generation leader for the nation. We have to help them. They don't know where, where are they going. But we, who knows God, we have to help them. That's what we are trying to do through our 
sex-free community. And then Nathan, he shared with me about Miracle Community Center. And then, you know, he had been praying. You know, when he had talked to me at that time, I didn't really, you know, oh, man, what do I have to do? Okay, I just try to help, and then blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then God just, you know, I, I felt that God wants me to help him to do the ministry together. So, and then we started the, the uh, Miracle Community Center in 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was our first start. And then until now, we have been helping a lot of youth, a lot of people through our programs. He will explain more about our programs later. So that's all for me for now. I'll bless you. <laughs> yeah. God definitely provides. And it's amazing how his puzzle is different than our picture of what life should be like. We have our view about what what we feel like we should be accomplishing, and yet God has another plan, and it's amazing how he brings those pieces together sometimes without us even really trying. You know, Johannes just showed up at my doorstep. I didn't go out and find him. He just showed, literally showed up at my doorstep and said, you know, will you be my friend, basically? Will you speak English with me? And, uh, you know, by the grace of God now, we've been serving together for five years, and um, so we've got all these various ministries going. I'm going to show you a few pictures now of some of the different things that we've got. We've got our annual youth camp uh, every July, and Johannes was just sharing, we just finished up our fifth annual. We also have the sex-free community where we gather youth together. There's about, uh, yeah, usually around 100 plus, yeah, 200, that gather together monthly to uh, hear uh, scripture and also be encouraged to walk um, sexually pure. And then weekly, we meet with the leaders of that group, so particular youth who Uh, we see have potential. We gather them together and they meet at our community center and we do some leadership training and Johannes is leading that up as well. So this is a a picture of our youth camp last year. You can go ahead and flip through the next few slides. Here's a picture of uh, some of the people who attended our youth camp. And there's all of our leaders. Some of the responses that we got. We got uh, to see people come to Christ for the first time, which is always really, really exciting. Johannes... Pretending like he knows what he's doing right there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and there's me pretending like I know what I'm doing. Okay, uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit about where we serve, just so you get an idea. Uh, for those of you who remember, uh, we live just north of Australia by about 100 miles, and uh, so we're all the way south and east in Indonesia. Indonesia is a country of islands. There's over 17,000 islands, and uh, before we went there, we had to find it on a map. We had no idea where it was. But it's the fourth most populated country in the world and the most populated Muslim country in the world. So there's more Muslims in Indonesia than in any other country. And uh, where we live is uh, undergoing a current influx in uh, people. Um, We have a massive number of people moving to our area to settle the land. I often refer to it as kind of the Wild West of Indonesia. It's kind of the last frontier Uh, And so a lot of people are moving from Western Java and moving into our area, and these Western Javanese are Christians, or I'm sorry, are Muslims. And so um, as you can see from the graph there, uh, our projected population by the year 2030 will be somewhere around 14 million to 16 million people, and um, most of those will be Muslim. Right now, uh, Islam just took over as the majority religion in our area. And uh, that is a brand new development, as you can see. Way back in uh, the early 50s, missionaries went to the land that we live in and began to work among the tribes, and they came to Christ by the droves. 
Now those tribes are having to be equipped to reach out to Muslims, and they've never had to do that before. And so they're learning, uh, how do I interact with the Muslim? What do I say to them about who God is and about who Jesus is? And, um, and what, are they going to be angry at me if I do that? And uh, how do I do it without getting myself arrested? Because it's actually illegal to proselytize in Indonesia. And so uh, we're doing training courses on how to do that with the church. And um, the main format that we use to bring all these ministries together and to try to reach out to these massive amount of Muslims and equip our church is called the Merauke Community Center. Let's go to the next slide. And uh, in 2010, we actually launched. We started working before that, but in 2010, we launched. These are our uh, board of directors and some of the people who are helping us, including the the director of uh, team, Charlie Davis, who's on the right there. Uh, He's the one sweating profusely. That would be our director from America. Uh, (laughs) You can go to the next slide. Uh, Our goal is to uh, plant Muslim background believer churches. Uh, So we're sharing the holistic gospel. We're sharing the whole gospel to the whole people. So we're not just preaching at them, but we're serving them by providing specific um, types of training and education, which is going to help them in their future. So we're hoping to, through that context of developing relationships with them and serving them, then we'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them and then bring them into fellowships. And we've started to see some really neat things happen as uh, our, our volunteers and partners have started to kind of gain momentum and begin to reaching Muslims with the gospel. Um, here are some of the programs that we offer at our center. We have English classes. We have uh, just over 100 students in our English uh, classes now. Uh, we do computer training where we teach those of you who are with Microsoft. Feel free to come on out and help us out and do this. Uh, we do uh, Microsoft Word and Excel and PowerPoint and um, teach people how to use a mouse and how to type and um, people are at varying levels of proficiency with those. But um, it's a great way to help our community give them skills uh, so that they can then go and become yeah, business people or work in an office. We also have a sports ministry for youth where they come and play soccer, volleyball, and various other things. We also just started a brand new project uh, to teach the community how to uh, grow mushrooms, oyster mushrooms. And um, yeah, this is designed for our church planters who are staff, they're actually church planters, they're missionaries from within Indonesia who have come to our area of the country and are helping us. It's a way that they can get into the houses of their neighbors by teaching them how to to, um, grow mushrooms, and that's um, a brand new project we're trying to get off the ground. And then we're hoping to have a health clinic in the future. We have two nurses who uh, have been recruited to come and help us from America, and they're getting ready, they're raising their support, and they'll be coming out and helping us pretty soon, hopefully, should the Lord provide, uh, to then open a little free health clinic where we can provide some health care because health care is a major need in our community. Here's a couple pictures of our center. There's the front of it and the back. We have a volleyball court, which also doubles as a soccer field. And there's our computer lab. And Johannes directing something. I'm not sure what he's directing there. And then this is uh, some of the flora and fauna. Uh, our, we have this amazing um, mixture of these tribal Papuan people, like you'd see on National Geographic, who are our good friends. That's my friend Rudolf, the guy with the bow and arrow. He's a great guy. And uh, they like to hunt uh, kangaroos and also deer, which are their main source of income and food. They also do a lot of fishing. And there's the open market. We call that our Safeway on the left there. And (laughs) on the right uh, is just one of the main streets in our downtown area. And then here's our mushroom project, uh, we're all pointing at the bags like we know what we're doing, but we actually don't really know a whole lot about how to raise mushrooms. So thankfully, we've had uh, a couple of people who've uh, had some training in it come and, and help us with that. So uh, we're beginning that process. Okay, now we have a little video to show you, should the Lord 
uh, let it work. We'll see. If not, then, then I, oh, yes. God of all nations, I'm going to translate a couple things for you here. So this is the opening, 7th of April, 2010. So the goal of the community center is to serve and increase the potential of our community. Computer lab. You guys can read that, right? Coca-Cola. It's the second most popular English word. Coca-Cola in the world. Uh, playing with your friends. These are some students from the international school who came down and helped us get ready for our community center launch. We had 75 kids come down and help us clean up and build that volleyball court in the back. actually a Wycliffe missionary who's uh, focusing on Bible translation. We have sports tournaments. We have free internet access for those who are members of our community center. We're the only place in the city where that has free internet access. Okay, so that was just a little promotional video for people in our city to help encourage them to come and join us at the community center. But we thought we'd share that with you just to give you some pictures of uh, what we do on a day-to-day basis. The goal there is to develop relationships that we normally wouldn't be able to develop any other place. So Christians and Muslims tend to be extremely segregated. They go to different churches. They don't interact very much uh, together. And so at our community center, we have an opportunity for our Christian staff to build relationships with these Muslim, mostly youth. And through those relationships, then we've had lots of opportunities to share the gospel. And we've seen quite a few people come to Christ now, which has been really exciting. Um, 
that's a little rundown of, of some of the ministries that we do, but uh, the overarching uh, theme that we've sensed over the last couple of years has been God's provision for us. Really, I mean, we're a, kind of a shoestring operation. We really, uh, we don't use that much as far as resources go to run our center, but God has always provided for us what we've needed. Initially, we got a $10,000 grant from somebody that we didn't know who wanted community centers started in Asia somewhere. And uh, somehow, team was able to find that money and get us going. And then from that point on, we've seen God provide for our needs every single month. Um, and it's just been amazing. So um, Johannes wants to share a little bit with you about uh, how God provides and some of the unique ways that he does that. He's going to talk a little bit about the life of Abraham and uh, how God provided for him. So go ahead, Johannes. Thank you. I would like you to open your Bible on Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 18. We have seen and listened to the monologue. It was very awesome. I like it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try my best to share with you um, about Abraham's life. And I know all of us have, you know, known the story of Abraham and Isaac. Um, I would like Snatton to help me reading the scriptures. Yeah, so we're going to read uh, just a few select verses out of this passage since um, we all know the story already. Verse 2, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Yeah, I, I believe that time when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, it probably uh, something that shocked him and he felt like I, fi- I think this is the promised son that you gave to me why you ask him why you ask me to, to sacrifice him it, it must be very hard at that time but you know Abraham he just obeyed God on the, net, on the very next day he went to you know to the mount of Moriah to sacrifice his son, Isaac. I was thinking, why, you know, God tasted Abraham? Why God asked Isaac? Sometimes it's happened in our, our life after God blessed us. He gave what we, we, we need. Then, he's not more, he, he is no longer the number one in our life. But the blessing has replaced the one who blessed us. It's a time, sometimes the time is comes to our life. It will be, maybe not now, maybe you have experienced the time that God will bring this uh, situation in our life just for, to taste, you know, your, for your faith. If you, if you really have him as the number one in your life, not the money, not the people in your life. Yeah, you can verse, yeah, verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the, for the burnt offering? Yeah, and then the verse 8, please. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Yeah. Uh, you know, it must be hard, you know, when Isaac asked his father about, you know, the lamb for the burnt offering. It must be very hard. 
I don't think Abraham will, you know, maybe they will. If, if Abraham say, you're the lamb, I'm going to kill it, maybe Isaac will run away. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they just, I just I, I, it, it was a hard situation, but Abraham, you know, he just believed, trust in God. You, you read in, in verse 8, he said, God will provide. That's his faith. Now, and then, um, can you read on? Yeah, so then verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, please. Next slide there. Abraham looked up there, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And of course. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Yes. Um, you know, our faith is not proven by our, by our words, by our talking. But our faith is proven by our action to God. If you say that you believe in God, if you say, if you trust, you trust him that he will take care of you, yourself, your family, and every situation in your life, then I think you should prove to God by your action, not just by your prayer. Prayer, prayer is part of our our action, but God wants more than that. We need to step out from our comfort zone to do what God wants us to do. That's what Abraham did. He's not just. You know, try to prove himself to God by his word or his prayer, but he's doing what God asked him to do. He go. He really is serious, you know. He is going to sacrifice his son Isaac. He bound Isaac, placed on the altar, ready to slay Isaac at that time. But as his faith, he was saying before that God will provide. It's proven at that time when he about to killed his son Isaac. God said, I know your faith. You really love me. You truly love me. You believe in me. There's, there was a replacement, a ram for you to, you know, to burn the sacrifice, the burnt offering. And then he said that on the mountain that this, uh, the Lord will provide he called that place the, the Lord will provide. And we still use the same word since Abraham said that until now. Part of our belief, part of our faith. We use that every time when we pray, when we face difficult situation. We say, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Can you read the verse 18? So the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Just like Abraham obeyed God, and from him all nations will be blessed, if the same happened to us, if we obey God, the blessing is not just for us, but for our descendants, for people that we serve. 
all nations will be blessed. Will be blessed through our life, through our ministry, by believing God, trusting Him, and do not just believing, not just just have it in our heart, but we have it in our action. We go, we do what God wants us to do. There are two types of people that I've seen in this situation. Number one, those who must understand before they can do or before they're willing to do. If it doesn't make sense, they don't want to do. Oh, God, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I don't think I will do this. It, it, it doesn't make sense for me. But God, when he gave his commandment, he asked us to do something. He doesn't owe us any more answer. Because in his commandments, the, the, the answers is already inside for us. We just had to do. And then the second type of people, they are trust and obey God. They might not understand why at that time, but they will just trust. They have these conviction, convictions. They trust God. They do. When they do, they will know. Okay, now I know why you want you wanted me to do this. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. As Abraham, we must go. We must do. Even though we don't understand at at this time, why? I don't understand God. Why? Why this happened to me? But I just have this faith. You will take care of me. Everything will be all right. It must, even though I feel hurt, you know, at at this time, but it's okay. The Lord will provide. I do. I will walk with my faith, with my love for you. I'll do because I love you, because I believe you are the God that will provide, will take care of me and my family, my situation, everything, what I am facing. We have to understand and believe that in every commandment, God gives his answers already inside. You have to believe that. He doesn't owe us any more answers. Everything will have been given to us. Remember, from all the situation we are facing, the fulfillment of the answers is in Jesus Christ. Everything has been given full in Jesus Christ. He, the Lord, he doesn't owe any more answers. Everything has been given. The best of heaven, Jesus Christ, has been given to you. The answer has been given to you. You just need to believe, trust him, have faith, walk in your faith, do something, go. You have to stay in Jesus. We have to stay in Jesus and Jesus in us, Jesus in you. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and the door. He's the answer. You know, I, when I came to CFNI in 2004, I had a plan that I would like to go. I would go to the school of worship. I, will, I just want to, you know, serve God. You know, we, through the worship ministry, I went there, and they said that I have to, I could not take the school of worship right away. I had to take the, 
leadership, leadership training before. So I took the leadership training at, on my first year. And then while I, I was studying, I feel like God is trying to redirect my path. The direction is changed. I was, I'm not confused, but there are another option at the time, which is the school of youth. I have to go to the school of youth. It sounds like he wanted me to go to the school of youth. I feel this you know, conviction that I have to go to the school of youth. I don't know at the time why I should go to the school of youth. I, don't, I just know, okay, I'll, I'll enjoy to work with the youth. They are fun. I like youth. Yeah. <laughs> I like to work with the youth. And then, you know, the time went by, and then, you know, I finished my school. I did my internship for 11 months in one of the churches in Southeast Texas. They sent me back. We, and then I met Nathan. We started to do the ministry together. We started the first youth camp. And we said, we brought souls, we brought youth to Christ. We want a lot of souls for Christ. And I know why. I just walk. And I, 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 I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand at the time. But after I done it, we win souls for Christ. I just thank God. Thank you. This is what you want me to do. Because I decided if I decided to do the school, uh, to go to the school of youth, uh, the school of worship, it might be not very effective for the needs, for the people in that area, in my town, in Morocco. But because I obey, obey God, I done it. We want souls for Christ. We reach more. We bring the impact to their life. I understand. I say, God, thank you. Amen. Through your obedience, you will bring many blessings to many people. You will make a difference through your trust and obedience to God. We are living evidence of God's provision. Nathan and I, I think it must be hard for Nathan to leave America. You know, it's very, you know, I, I will be honest to you. Before I went back to America, uh, to Indonesia, I had this temptation to not to go back to Indonesia. Because life was so good. Everything provided, you know. People, they are cool. The weather are nice. Because <laughs> it's September. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> February won't be so nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to go back anyway. So I really appreciate Nathan and his wife and his parents. I really want to say thank you on behalf of the people from Merauke to sacrifice your son, to willing to let them go, to be willing to come to Merauke. They really bring impact. You're blessed. I'm blessed. A lot of people come to Christ. We, we still do more for, for the people in Morocco. It must be hard at the time, but they obey. Now they know why people come for, to, Christ, to Christ. More people will feel the heaven, the kingdom of God. We'll bring a lot of people. We'll still do more. 
you have to join us to do this together. If he can do for us, he can do also for you. He's not just our God, but he also our God, your God, Jesus Christ. You know, we are facing the battle on the mission field. It's like a battle. Am I Definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let me tell you this. It's not just for me and Nathan and his wife, but it's also for you. It's also for God. Together with God, the battle is ours. Amen. The struggle that we are facing, it's not just for me and Nathan and his wife, but it's ours. Together with the Lord, it's ours. The struggle, it's ours. The opportunities that presented to us, not just for me and Nathan and his wife, but it's also for you all. Together with God, we have to take this opportunity. God wants us to do this. The success, the victory, the joy that we experience, that we feel, they are not just ours here, but also with you and with the Lord. The joy is ours. The success is ours. The victory is ours. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand. So I will tell you this. Together, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God has a plan. He will succeed no matter what. And we have the opportunity to participate in it. Participate in it. It's a guarantee that we will succeed. We will win this battle. We will overcome this struggle. Participate in it. God has a plan. He will succeed. And we have an opportunity to participate in it. Because we just believe in Christ alone. Amen. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you, Johannes. Yeah, now you guys can see why I love working with Johannes. Uh, I love his heart for the Lord and his insight into what God is doing in and through him and around him. And um, I'm just so thankful he was able to come and share with you today. And um, I also want to challenge the church now. Uh, in light of what Johannes has just shared about Genesis 22 and in light of where you're at as a congregation, uh, we are partners with you in where God is leading you as a congregation. And right now is an exceptionally exciting time for this congregation in that you just called a new pastor. And that's part of God's provision for you. Amen? He has provided for you a new pastor. But as Johannes just mentioned, Uh, We can't now just sit back and let the pastor do all the work. (laughs) We need to get on board with what the pastor's going to do and get engaged and put our faith into action and say, hey, where can I get involved and what can I do to help make this congregation more successful and to help reach Seattle with the gospel? Um, It's an amazing blessing that God has given you and Peter and his family, and I look forward to getting to know him and his family better. But um, I just want to challenge you all 
in light of God's provision for you in bringing this pastor. Uh, and nobody knows that I was sharing this, but I just want to say, uh, please join with him, get engaged with him, and see what God will do together uh, through you and him. And uh, I just love to see this church grow and become an exciting lighthouse in the city of Seattle. It's just a beautiful location, and uh, I think God has great things in store for this church. We look back at the, just the rich history about how God has used the congregation uh, to reach this, this uh, city, and uh, we can see that there's really, really good things on the horizon. So I look forward to hearing, once I'm back in Indonesia, about how God has continued to bless you guys as you've blessed your city. Uh, as Johannes was sharing, I was thinking about one thing else, which is we are blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was blessed by God in order for him to be a blessing to the world. And I think that uh, that's really poignant and important for us as well. As God blesses us and we experience the blessings that he pours down his provision upon us, it's not just for us to hoard, gather, but it's to release the blessing to others who need it around us. And uh, in Indonesia, we especially see it coming from a Western culture, moving into Indonesia and seeing just how many needs there are around us. All of a sudden, we become, uh, we have the opportunity to provide in ways that we never would here in the States for those who are our neighbors and those who are around us. And it's an amazing opportunity, but it's also burden and it's heavy at times. But as God continues to bless, we're able then to bless others. I'd like uh, us just to bow our heads together and uh, for a time of response now to the Lord. And um, I'm just sensing that God wants us to each take a moment. And I want you to think about the thing that you're holding on to, the tightest, that's not God in your life. Maybe it's uh, something that you're looking forward to. Maybe something you're saving up for. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a child or maybe it's something else in your life. Maybe it's a, a degree or maybe it's Uh, I don't know what it is, maybe a promotion at work. And I want you to think about how that, uh, all the focus of your attention on that has distracted you potentially from keeping God as a priority, as number one in your life, as Johannes was talking about. And right now, I just want each of us to ask God to release us from the shackles of being focused on that instead of God. And I want you to be able to say to God, I'm ready to release that, Lord, and I want you to be... Uh, Lord of my life, over that issue or that thing. So take a moment now to think about what that is and then to release it to the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We come before you and we are humbled at what you have given us and how little we've given back to you in return. Thank you for giving us your son, the ultimate example of giving everything for us. And we ask that you would help us to know how to share that truth and that good news with others who haven't heard yet so that they too can experience a relationship with him and ultimately eternal life. And Lord God, I just thank you for the privilege it is to be partners with you in in sharing the gospel. Thank you for using us 
and blessing us so that we have the opportunity to bless others. Help us, Lord, to have our hands open to you, to not grasp things, but rather release things. And uh, as you continue to guide our steps, O Lord, help us to be faithful one step at a time to what you've called us to. Just as Abraham was faithful one step at a time as he climbed Mount Moriah, I pray that you would help us on that journey to be faithful, to take just the next step that you've called us to take, to go one step further in our uh, relationship with you, to release one more thing. And then as we look back and we see how far you've brought us, we realize that you've got a much bigger plan for us than we initially thought. And so we thank you for that. And thank you that Mercer Island Covenant has been blessed with a new pastor. I pray, O Lord God, that you would bless Pastor Peter and his family as they prepare to come and begin their ministry here at Mercer Island. Lord, we know that they're going to be in a battle as well. So we ask that you would uh, put a hedge of protection around them. Guard them, Lord, from the evil uh, forces that are at work around him and desire to see him fall. I pray, Lord, that your people would hold him up, strengthen and encourage him, and partner with him in the ministry. Help him carry the burden of bringing the good news to this city. Lord God, we look forward to what you're going to do. And as you bless, oh God, I pray that MICC would be a huge blessing to those around them. And thank you for the way that they have already blessed the world, all the way to Indonesia. We thank you that you're using MICC there to bring the good news to people so that others can respond. And uh, we can see people living a better life and getting new opportunities that they never would have gotten without this church. And so we thank you for that. And Lord God, we just pray that you would be with and guide uh, MICC now and into the future. Protect them and keep them safe, we pray, O Lord. May you build your church and build your kingdom through them. This is our prayer, and thank you for the opportunity to share this morning with Johannes, my brother, about what you're doing in Indonesia. And I pray you protect our relationship and keep us working well together for the years to come. We love you, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.